Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about what I would do to help rehabilitate a runner who had to have both tibial sesamoid bones taken out because they developed a non-union of both tibial sesamoid bones. Now, before we get started in this episode, if you're confused and you're not sure exactly what's wrong with you or what you can do, I actually did something recently. It was a presentation that we had called 12 Steps to rapid recovery from running injuries. And so this was a live presentation where I went through in order what I actually do with every single person who calls me for a consultation. So this is worth listening to. So it's only up for a limited time. We're gonna have some replays available. I think I did live, but if you got the invitation, you missed it, I'm sorry, but we do have some replays available because I got lots of emails afterwards asking for it. If you wanna get it, you can go to docontherun.com slash 12 steps and you should be able to access it there if it's still live whenever you're listening to this. That's one thing that might be really useful for you if you are confused. So let's cue up the theme song and then we'll get right into the episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. All right, now today's episode actually comes from a question that I got from a doctor who was at the International Foot and Ankle Foundation Medical Conference, where I was invited to give a lecture on stress fractures in athletes. Now, the short story is that you have two sesamoid bones under the big toe joint in each foot. They're about the size of kidney beans, and when one of them develops a stress fracture, it can break, particularly if you keep running on it. If it does break into two pieces, it can be very difficult to get the broken sesamoid bone to heal completely. If it doesn't heal and becomes arthritic and turns into this chronically painful thing that we as doctors call a sesamoid fracture non-union, your doctor may recommend surgery to take it out. Well, there are three reasons that sesamoid fractures are so hard to heal in runner. Number one, the sesamoid bones have a relatively poor blood supply, and so they don't heal that quickly. And number two, every time you walk or stand on that foot, about 25% of your weight is on a broken kidney bean. And the third reason is that every time you wiggle your big toe, it tugs on the sesamoid bone, pulling the fracture apart. And for those reasons, I personally think a sesamoid fractures is one of the very worst injuries to afflict any runner. Now, we all think of surgery as the most important indicator of whether or not a runner will do well. We often think of the type of surgery or the type of overtraining injury dictates the timeline for full return to athletic activity. Well, today I was giving this lecture at the International Foot and Ankle Foundation Medical Conference in Hawaii, and during the live Q&A session at the end, a few doctors had specific questions about what I would do to treat certain patients, and one great question was from a doctor who wanted to know what I would do to help rehab a runner after bilateral tibial sesamoid non-union surgical removal, meaning that the runner had both of the inside uh, or medial or tibial sesamoid bones removed in both of her feet because they wouldn't heal. So I have the live audio recording from the live Q&A session so you can listen in on my answer to that doctor's question. So we're going to play that for you so you can check it out. Okay, so somebody's got uh, tibial sesamoid fractures that were, both of them were removed surgically. Did I get that right? Okay, so... Uh, that's a tough one. So that is that is the thing that makes me more nervous than anything else. So I actually still remember uh, a young woman in her 20s who I did that on um, maybe 15 years ago. 
and I still think about her. And I swear, I went probably two or three years before I was convinced that she would actually be okay. Uh, she was, and she's continuing to do fine now. But you know, custom orthotics obviously to help uh, reduce the load uh, to the fibular sesamoid, and uh, and it's really specifically trying to make sure that above all else, aside from the stuff that we're taught and that what we really think about in terms of biomechanical offloading and sort of you know restoring the foot and ankle mobility per se, I think it's all the other things that we don't really think about that much and in the uh, clinical acumen talk, which I think is on uh, Thursday, I go through there's really three sort of uh, tests that we all know and, and oftentimes do for these patients, but those things really gauge their risk of getting a re-injury even more than the specific procedure like removing one of the sesamoids. Because the athletes that get re-injured are those that get rapidly deconditioned because of a long time off of their feet after one of these significant stress fractures or a surgical procedure, and then they get re-injured. Uh, two days ago, I saw someone who was a high school ballet dancer, and that's exactly what happened to her. She took uh, six weeks off because of a stress fracture, and then she was so deconditioned that as soon as she started training, she got a different stress fracture. And then she was in a cast after that for four weeks. And so she was very demoralized, and it was not really you know, the injury per se, but it was the lack of recovery that had happened as a consequence of the time off um, and insufficient recovery, insufficient testing really for her risk for re-injury before she actually started training again. And I think it's very important to explain to them uh, that you have to really get your neuromuscular connections back, your balance, your uh, overall muscular fitness, and your flexibility if you really want to decrease your risk of a recurrence. And so uh, in that talk on Thursday, I'll explain that in more detail about how to do those tests and how you can use those tests as exercises with these athletes to help mitigate that risk. Now, the point here is that as the recovering athlete, you really need to take the advice from the doctor, listen to the doctor's projected timeline based on their experience with average non-athletic patients, and then ask them this, what would it take for me to recover faster and cut a couple of weeks off that timeline? What can I do that will help me get back to running sooner? You've got to really ask better questions when you go to the doctor. Don't ever forget, 100% rest equals 100% loss of fitness, and your doctor is thinking about your injury. They're just not thinking about getting you back to running as quickly as possible. So think about what you can do. Think about work worked in your training, and how you can apply that to your recovery right now, and that will help you get back to running as quickly as possible. Now, right now, if you stop training, you're getting weaker. No matter how much I know, and no matter how much you learn, nothing will change unless you take the steps to change course. So check out the 12 steps to recovering from a running injury. It's at docontherun.com slash 12 steps. Go get it and check it out. I'll see you there.